What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Athlete Angle. I am so excited for you to hear this episode. I had the opportunity to talk with retired D1 collegiate volleyball player Cam Dobbs. She has a heck of a story. Cam came from a family of collegiate athletes and had the privilege of playing at her dream school, University of Miami. Freshman year of college, Cam had everything you could ever want in a collegiate program from the amazing team chemistry championship level volleyball program that she started on a top tier broadcast journalism program she was able to participate in amazing teammates tight-knit community you name it she had it sophomore year completely opposite Her athletic career was riddled with injuries, and she was constantly fighting for a starting position on the court. After suffering two previous concussions, Cam suffered her third in a 12-month period, which ended her career. This started the worst season of her life that she had ever experienced. During this season, Cam had to relearn to do basic functions. She battled with every concussion symptom you could imagine, from constant headaches, light sensitivity, to an emotional roller coaster of depression and anxiety. During this season is where Cam started to learn about the power of playing where your feet are. One of the things Cam mentioned during this period of her life that I think really nails the idea of a healthy perspective in the middle of a storm is this. She said, there is a purpose in your pain, whether you are in the valley or on the mountaintop, you can impact someone. We also talked about her journey with comparison and what it means to be fully confident in yourself as you are. Another great one-liner Cam said was this, I think confidence is mixing contentment with commitment to continue to progress. What's up guys? Welcome to The Athlete Angle. I'm your host, MC Bell. Do you feel like you're walking aimlessly through life after sports? Do you feel lost without your sport and unsure of how to find confidence in your purpose? It's like the second you hung up your cleats or walked off that field, you've been drifting ever since. Well, I'm here to tell you that you are not alone, my friend. You are one of thousands of student and professional athletes that struggle with transitioning into life after sports. Join me this week as we work to unravel the confusing journey of life post sports gain clarity in your purpose, and find confidence in your identity so you can flourish in life after sports. Let's dive in. Well, thanks for jumping on with me. I'm so excited to get to talk to you. I loved what you put in your Calendly link. Everything about it, honestly. Oh, yay. I'm glad. I'm super honored, like I said, to be on with you and chatting. And I know it's going to be a great conversation. And I just love talking to people. (laughs) So I'm excited. You and me both, girl. We're about to get after it. (laughs) I love. Um, Okay. So I would love to, I would love to start with talking about your, uh, your career as a volleyball player. What made you passionate about playing volleyball? What made you want to play in college? Um, Kind of like your origin story. Sure. Well, backing it up to birth and before, I am one of three siblings. So I have two other siblings. They're 
three kids, three Dobbs kids, and all of us were college athletes. And so coming out of the womb, we were all just born with good genes. And it came from my parents and my grandparents, all that good stuff. My dad was a college football player at Auburn University, and he played back in the day in the 80s with Bo Jackson. So he's got a couple of nice rings himself. My mom was very athletic as well. So we were just born and bred to be athletes and we fulfilled that mission in life. <laughs> so we were all very competitive growing up. We played every single sport known to man, but being the youngest, I pretty much just copied whatever my siblings did and more specifically, whatever my sister did. So my sister is six years older than I am, but I love her to death and I just always wanted to be exactly like her. So when she started playing volleyball, I started playing volleyball. I copied the exact same position that she played in. I went to the same club that she played at and I just followed her footsteps as best as possible. So when she started playing, I started playing. And for my athletic journey, it got pretty serious when I was about 12 years old or so. I decided then that I wanted to play in college and that was going to be my pursuit through the rest of my years before I got to college. So when I was 12, I started playing club volleyball. I started playing in middle school when I was 11. But as I said, my older sister played. So I was always that kid at convention centers and gyms that would get yelled at for just passing against the wall during a match because I just wanted to play. I just wanted to touch a volleyball at all times. And so I did whatever I could to do just that. But when my sister graduated, I really got serious, started playing club myself. And for me, I just kind of popped off early. So recruited, recruiting started really early for me. By the time I was 14, I was already having full ride offers wow. and had a lot of options to go to a lot of different incredible schools and programs. So I recruited, or excuse me, I committed to the University of Miami when I was, I think, 15, 16 years old or so and decided that would be the school for me. The minute I stepped foot on campus, I knew that was it. It's kind of like when they say in love, like when you know, you know, it's so true with it is with college recruiting too. Like I fell in love with the University of Miami, with our coaches, with our program, with the comm school, knowing that as a freshman, you could get into studios working as a broadcast journalist year one, rather than waiting till you're a senior or a junior and upperclassman in the school. And so people always ask me why Miami and seriously tell me why not? Because every single thing just checked off my list and more. And even today, looking back on my crazy career that I've had, it's still, it's still the perfect fit for me. And I believe I was the perfect fit for it. So that's kind of what got me to the university of Miami. That's amazing. That is, that's cool. You can look back on your, the college that you picked and have that much peace about your decision and confidence about your decision. So let's go into volleyball. What was your career like at the university of Miami playing volleyball? What were those four years good and bad. What were they, what were they kind of, what happened? Well, my volleyball career at Miami is anything but ordinary because I get in there my freshman year and it's like our literally best in program history team, my freshman year, incredible run NCAA tournament play, like competing for an ACC volleyball championship. We had players of the week, like all-American type deals. It was just an incredible year for us. At one point, we were only one of three teams that were 10 and 0 and just big spotlight nationally for Miami volleyball my freshman year. And as a freshman, I didn't start every match by no means whatsoever, but I was competing. I was starting some. It was 
a battle every single day in practice up until game time to figure out was I starting or was now one of my best friends starting. It was a, a constant competition and neither of us knew what, who was going to be thrown in come game time. So it was really exciting, a big thrill and a lot of pushing to be just excellent my freshman year. And it was amazing. I created some of my best bonds that I've ever had with my teammates. We had incredible chemistry on the team. We had Bible studies that we would do together every single week. And it was just amazing. So that was year one. And then year two, it was like the complete opposite. (laughs) (laughs) I was waiting for the ball to drop. I was like, there's no way. (laughs) It was totally like 180 year number two. We had a lot of our seniors the year before graduate who were kind of a big cornerstone of our program, not even just like skill wise, but I mean, yes, too, but also just with chemistry, with the culture they had built, they had just done a great job creating our program. And with them leaving, it kind of led us in a little bit in a rut. And so- We were back a little bit at square one, trying to recreate our chemistry and our culture, but with new players, I think we had like six or seven freshmen come in that year, which is a lot. And the year before my freshman year, another interesting fact about my freshman year is that I was the only freshman on the team, which is extremely rare. (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, volleyball teams aren't huge anyway, but at the smallest, you might have a class of like three or four, but it is unheard of to have only one new girl on the team. So it was just complete shift from having only one the year before to now having like six or seven new girls, big difference. Uh, We didn't have the record that we had the year before we weren't playing near as well. And for me, my season started off with me being the starter on the team. And then about a couple weeks into the season, I got beat out by a freshman. So now I was just facing what I fought for the year before. Now I was on the bench as a sophomore thinking that I was kind of getting comfortable in my position, but I was not satisfied with being on the bench and I had other skills to add to this program. And so I actually switched positions to being a defensive specialist. So I went from an outside hitter to a defensive specialist. And then after about a week or two, getting comfortable in that position, which mind you, I was probably like the tallest DS in the entire nation because they only play back row and I'm six foot two. So I was a little tall for my position, but it was great. And then getting comfortable in that position, I then got concussion number one. So it's like, it's like, all right, like grinding, grinding, get benched. Okay. Switch positions, grinding, grinding. Okay. Now I'm benched with an injury. So I go through concussion number one and I'm out for about two and a half weeks. It was terrible. I hated it. I couldn't stand being out, but I came back. But during those times of being out as athletes, we know time goes fast when you're not there, if that makes sense. So like you might be out, but the team is still going like they, they can't hold you back and hope for you, you know, whatever they have to move. And so while I was out injured, my place got filled once again. So now I'm coming back once again and I switched positions for the second time playing my third position within one month at the University of Miami division one program, like college volleyball, power five conference craziness. And so I come in the day I was healed and I walk to my head coach's office and I just tell him, Kenno, I've already played two positions on this team. If you want me to pay a third, I got you. Like, I will do whatever it takes to be able to get out on that court and just use me wherever you want me to be. And that's exactly what he did. So the next day I started training as a middle hitter and this is my third position. So in football terms, for those who might kind of get football more than volleyball, it's pretty much like going from a 
tight end or a wide receiver to then switching to a kicker to then switching to a defensive lineman oh in, my a matter of, in a matter of a month and at the power five ACC conference level, like insane. And that was my career my sophomore year. So I finished the season as a middle, continued on, trained through spring, was finally kind of getting the hang of this whole middle thing. I was a starter at it and I earned my way on the court, but it was so just so, so new to me. I was learning so much every single day. I just felt like a sponge, like a little kid where everything was new and it was crazy, but I was loving it and it was so fun. So I continue through spring, start really improving at the position and learning a lot. And then all of a sudden I'm halted once again. So I get elbowed in practice as I'm blocking, I get elbowed in the head and I get concussion number two. Wow. So once again, a pause in my career, but I was only out for two and a half weeks again. I kind of knew the drill at this point. So I'm like, okay, fine. Like we're in spring season, at least I'm not missing matches. I'm going to heal and then go into summer training. So that's what I did. And at this point, as I'm going into my junior season, I am feeling good about myself. Like I am getting the hang of this whole middle thing. I'm getting stronger. I'm feeling good. I feel like I'm kind of a top dog now being an upperclassman, got this whole college volleyball thing under my you know belt. I am entering my junior volleyball season, but my senior year of classes. So I'm one year ahead of the game academically. I'm the president of a student org on campus. I'm serving at my church on several teams. I'm doing so many incredible things. I have a mile long resume. Like I was the it girl. I had it all together and I had a plan. I was going to finish my undergrad this year while playing my junior season. I was going to intern for like ACC or SEC network in the summer. And then I was going to come back my senior year, finish volleyball, finish my master's and then go play professionally overseas in Eastern Europe. Like your girl had it down pat. Holy cow. <laughs> so I was ready to go. And so my junior volleyball season starts and it is this promising junior year. So ready, starter, captain, the whole shebang. And the first tournament of my junior season, I make this sick block move and my hands just happen to be a tiny bit wide and I get nailed in the forehead. And this starts the next six months of my life being completely flipped upside down because that final nail was the final blow to my head that mm -hmm. forced me to end my career. And so oh, wow. this ball to my head gave me my third brain injury, my third concussion within 12 months. And it started the absolute worst season of my life where not only was I taken out of the sport, but I had to drop out of college. I had to, you know, face my therapy was learning how to walk again in some areas and it was just darkness, depression, anxiety, and every single symptom of concussions known to man. Wow. I, <laughs> I didn't know that you could have that many concussions in volleyball because I, I grew up playing soccer yeah. and I've had my fair share of concussions, but they were not that frequent. And normally when you think contact sport, that makes sense. But for volleyball, technically it's not a contact sport. Right but you can still get hurt in, in like a, in a career ending way. It's not like it's a blow to the knee or an ankle, like, which makes sense from jumping, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but it's your head. It's the thing that you need to do life with, you know, <laughs> like if it was your ankle or your knee, you, you probably wouldn't have had to drop out of school and, um, all those things. So what did that, what did that do for your identity? Did you have your identity placed in your sport? Well, 
I in the in the time that I was in, I would like to say no. However, looking back, I think yes. And I say that for a specific reason, because I grew up a Christian and I grew up, you know, declaring that I was a child of God and that my identity was rooted in Christ and all that good stuff. But as athletes or just as people who are high achieving, I mean, whether again, look up whether it was my resume of being athletics or resume and academics or serving or community service, whatever it was, it's so easy to look at the position you're in. And seeing the only reason I why I'm here is because of my accolades. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not because you thought I was a nice person that I'm the captain and the starter on the University of Miami Hurricanes volleyball team. Like, no, it's because I'm strong, because I did this, because I can get the, these kills, because I can block this well. It's because of the skills and the what I'm producing. It's not because of anything of who I am on the inside. And so right. as easy as it is to declare your identity is rooted in somewhere else and feel like you're strong in that the minute you have every single thing ripped away from you and a blink of an eye with one bad block move, that's, that's when you realize, Oh shoot, I have to know who I am without the sport, without the accolades, without the attention, without my academics. I have to know who I am on the inside when none of that is with me because you know, one of these days, whether your career ends as an athlete like me who has faced a career ending injury where the NCAA medically retired me, medically disqualified me and wouldn't let me play again, or you're kicking in the NFL when you're 56 years old and you're thriving, but you just retire when you're 57. Like one of these days, our sport is going to end. One of these days, whatever you're involved in is going to end. Whether you go out in a blaze of glory or it crashes and burns, it's going to end. And you have to realize who are you on the inside so that when it does end, you are fully satisfied and you continue living a life full of living because you're not what you do. It's just something that you do. Like I'm, I am not simply a volleyball player. Like volleyball is just something I do and love. It's not who I am. And so I realized that the hard way (laughs) that my identity is not rooted in my performance on the court or my performance in the classroom or my performance in my career, that I believe my identity is rooted in Jesus Christ. And you have to be able to place your identity in something strong and something stable, not something that can be taken away at any, any instant. Let's go. (laughs) That's good stuff right there. (laughs) What was that journey like for you? right after you got your concussion, you said you'd struggled with a lot of negative emotions, depression, anxiety, uh, and, you know, probably grieving the fact that you couldn't do what you thought you were going to do. You were grieving the plans that you thought you had for your life, not just ending your sport. What was that like? Oh, it was awful because I mean, if you take it kind of in phases here, so the broad spectrum of my recovery looked like this. It was I got injured on September 7th, 2019. That was my third concussion, the one that ended my career. And I didn't run again until February 6th, 2020. So almost six months to the day was when I was kind of like fully recovered in a way, physically at least, where I wasn't necessarily limited physically in terms of like running, working out. And so four of those months straight, I faced full severe concussion symptoms. Mm. So for four months straight, I had a 0% increase in improvement. Wow. Four months straight, I faced headaches, dizziness, nausea, sensitivity to light and noise, 
pressure in my head, trouble sleeping, um, sensitivity to light noise. I mean, I think I just said that out. Memory loss. Yeah. <laughs> I still have a little bit of that today, as you can tell. Um, <laughs> so many, I mean, every single symptom known to man, including anxiety and depression. So I had not only the physical symptoms, but all the emotional symptoms as well. Anxiety, depression, sadness, feeling lost, feeling dazed, um, having no energy, no motivation. All of that is what I faced on it in addition to the physical things too. So going through the thoughts that I was having throughout the whole process was day one. I remember I woke up the next morning and that's when I had all the symptoms mm. and I walked into my trainer's office. I looked her in the eye and I just started bawling and I'm not a crier. So that's saying a lot, yeah. but I just, I mean, tears on tears on tears. And I just remember looking at her and telling her like, number one, I don't want to be hurt again. I'm so sick and tired of being hurt and going through this. And if you think about what I just told you, my career so far was, okay, starting competing, benched, starting again, benched with an injury, starting again, benched with an injury, starting and career ending. So if you look at all those phases, plus the ins and outs of it of, okay, when you are benched with an injury and coming back, you have to get stronger. You have to heal. Like it's so much wear and tear on your body. And then to go from playing all these hours a day to all of a sudden not doing anything a day, it's crazy. And so I was just so exhausted with this healing process. And then I get concussion number three and I was just over it. I didn't want to go mm -hmm. through it again. So that was my first kind of like depressive thought of just so, so exhausted and tired of the whole process. And then the next thing I was feeling was, this is my third concussion, my third brain injury within one year. Like, that's not good news. Whatever whatever that might mean, it's not good news. Mm -hmm. So whether that means I'm out a month or two months or my career is ending, it's not good. And so I remember talking to friends, like, we, we talked the first week and we were like, okay, maybe it's just going to be a chill little concussion. Like, it'll be a week or so that I'll be back. And then it just kept going. And I thought, okay, maybe two weeks and then I'll be back. And then maybe three weeks and I'll be back. And every single week I saw the buses pull away without me. I didn't travel to a single match that entire season. I couldn't attend a single practice. I was left in my bedroom in the dark alone. I couldn't do anything. I was totally isolated. I couldn't go to class. I pretty much was just quarantined before quarantine was even a thing. And it was just awful. And I, I struggled so badly because as you said too, you know, I'm looking at everything I had planned for my life, all these great things, and now I can't do anything. And it was that depression of what if, what if my life is like over quote unquote, like, will I, will I never be able to play professionally? Okay. What about my broadcast journalism career? Like I want to work for ESPN. Working for ESPN requires bright studio lights. I'm wearing sunglasses 24 seven inside and outside of the house right now. I can't stand bright studio lights. Okay. What about working at a college football stadium? College football stadiums are pretty loud. If you haven't noticed pretty loud. I am currently wearing earplugs and hunting headphones everywhere I go to pre prevent any stimulation. 
So Mm. am I not only giving up my playing career, but also my broadcasting career too? Like I just, I didn't see any future anymore. And it wasn't just me. My parents thought that I would never return to being a fully functioning human being ever again. They had to move down to Miami and take shifts taking care of me because I literally could not do anything on my own. I was on heavy duty medication. I couldn't drive anywhere, yet I had to attend vestibular therapy for my brain. I had to attend cognitive therapy for my brain and emotions. And I had to attend psychological therapy to just try to keep me sane during all of this because it was awful on my mental health. And so throughout the whole process, it was so, so hard. And I'm thankful that I had people in my corner that were reminding me that the pain would be used for a purpose, whether I saw it in the moment or not, and to just Mm -hmm. focus on what I could do in the moment. You know, some, some days my goals were simply just getting out of bed and walking to the kitchen and back without getting lightheaded. Some days it was hoping that I could walk 10 minutes on the treadmill at a one to two mile per hour pace and not have worse headaches and symptoms and my heart rate go through the roof, which spoiler alert, that actually didn't always happen. There were days where my therapist would literally pull me off of the treadmill saying that I couldn't even walk at two miles per hour, which is very slow. If you don't know, it's like a, a literal snail's pace. Like people joke about that, but that is like a literal snail's pace. And I couldn't do that some days. And so I realized through this whole process, the power of playing where your feet are. Because when I was an athlete, I had the big goal of being, you know, starter on the court and ACC player of the week and this and that and the other. And that was my goal. And if I was playing on that court, I was going to be the best volleyball player I could be. But there were moments and seasons when I was on the bench, nothing changed. Even if I wasn't playing, I was still going to play where my feet are. I had purpose in the position that I was in. If I was on the bench, I was going to be the most obnoxious cheerleader on the bench. I was going to call up the other team. I was going to cheer my teammates on. Like whatever I could do, wherever my feet were is what I was going to do. The same thing stood true when I was injured, when I was at the worst point in my life. Like just because I wasn't playing didn't mean I couldn't play where my feet are. So sure, maybe my life looked a lot different. Maybe I was no longer bench pressing 70 pound dumbbells. Maybe I was walking one mile per hour. But I was going to try to do that with the best of my ability. I was going to do my best and be my best no matter what and no matter where. And I was going to try, which emphasis on try, because I am so bad at giving myself grace. But Girl, I was going to try. Me too. Me <laughs> it's too. It's so bad. It's so bad. But I was going to try to give myself grace, knowing that my best one day might look different from my best another day. That it's. I was not the athlete that I used to be. I could not run that mileage or run that fast or lift that much weight, but I could do what I could do in the moment. And that's what mattered to play where my feet are, to do my best and be my best, no matter what, no matter where, no matter what that looks like. Wow. I am putting that in my back pocket for tomorrow because that is so good. What a great way to fight that feeling of discontentment in your life too. You have your eye focused on what's happening right in front of you, you know, in the middle of whatever you're doing and you have a, you essentially set a goal for yourself with whatever that is, no matter what it looks like. It made me start thinking about this quote where I want to say it's like, it talks about talent. um, But what really gets you places is hard work and putting an effort in. And I feel like 
maybe that's another way to say play where your feet are. What gave you that hope? What was that like that turnkey? What was that switch in the middle of um, this really dark period of your life? I think for me, I mentioned it a little bit, but so much of play where your feet are is just knowing that in any position that you're in, you have impact and you have purpose. And so I think that's just what fuels me is I'm really big on leaving a legacy and it's not for my glory, but it's just because I want to help the people that come behind me. And so I think knowing that my life might be terrible right now, or it might be great right now. Either way, if I am on the top of the mountain or the pit of the valley, I can impact someone. There is a purpose to my pain. There's a purpose to my prosperity, whatever it might be. There's a purpose in the position I'm in. And so I, I think if it's sharing my story, sharing my struggles, sharing what I'm learning, whatever it might be, I can relate to someone and I can help someone because so much of what I say, so much of what I speak on, so much of what I write about is what I needed to hear. Mm. Everyone always, everyone always says like, oh, you must be a pro at playing where your feet are. And I'm like, no, I'm the worst human being at it ever. That's why I do all this because I need the reminder. Like there's a reason BWIFA is on my neck. It's on my bracelet. Like it is everywhere in my room. I have all the merch and everything is because I need to be reminded on a daily basis to play where my feet are because it's so hard. Like it might sound like sexy and cute and look good on a t-shirt, but it's not an easy thing to do to approach every single day with intentionality, to take advantage, not just take up space, to know that whoever's next to you could be impacted by you if you choose to do that. Like it's all on us. It's on us to live a life full of living. It's on us to impact the world. That's not an easy challenge to accept, but I'm up for the challenge. And so that's what fires me up every single morning, knowing that I could run through a brick wall impacting the world just by starting where my feet are. You know, you can go and impact the world and do a million things overseas or on mission trips or on this and that and the other, but you could also impact the world by starting with your neighbor or your roommate or your brother or your sister or your teammates or your coworkers, whatever it might be. I think that's where you're going to see the most impact is just by simply playing where your feet are, knowing that position that you are put in right now, you're put in that position for a purpose. Like you were made, you were born for such a time as this, and you are specifically in that situation because you are going to make the most impact if you choose to do so. Wow. I think, (laughs) I think we're good. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That is so good. You know, I love that you're so passionate about this, but I think it takes some endurance and some challenges to be able to sustain that level of not just motivation, but live your life every day. Like you're saying with intentionality and purpose and, and wanting to impact people because you've seen it in your own life. And one of those things, I think you mentioned it was uh comparison. So what has your journey been like with comparison? I have struggled a lot with comparison and I know that comparison is the thief of joy. So I try my best to just prevent any of it coming inside of me. And just, I mean, disclaimer for anyone listening, obviously there is a positive side of comparison. Like I try to compare myself to Tim Tebow because he's one of my biggest role models. So I want to be like that guy. Yes. Like in the sense that he is doing all of his work with SEC nation of how he's doing broadcasting with ESPN, how he's producing books, he's preaching like, He has his own foundation. He's giving back. Like, I want to compare myself to that because that's who I want to be like. However, 
there's also a very negative side to comparison that we are referencing here. And I've struggled with it a lot. And for me personally, talking about my own journey, I I think as an athlete and going through what I did medically retiring, I struggled more comparing myself to my former self hmm. rather than to others. I think that I was pretty confident in myself and in my doings that it wasn't like I was looking at others and thinking or wishing I could be like them, but I was comparing myself to either who I used to be, how strong I was, what I could do, my abilities, how I looked, everything that came yes. with going being a full-time collegiate athlete to being a full-time avocado who had a brain injury versus you know who I was in the moment and who I wanted to be so whether it was looking back or looking forward it was both negative and it was not being appreciative of who I was in the moment what I had just gone through the fact that my brain actually still functions to this day after facing all of those brain injuries in yes. such a small amount of time Praise like god amen to that I was so just stuck in thinking that what I used to be was the best. And I think it goes back to identity because I was placing my worth in who I was as the volleyball player. I was placing my worth in. That's why I was so good. That's why I was a big deal was because of everything I had done. When in reality, I'm a big deal because I'm a child of God. I'm a big deal because of everything God has done for me, not because of what I've done for him or others, period. And so I think that so much of comparison your root of it is going to be found in your identity. I think if you're secure in yourself, if you're confident in yourself, you won't be comparing to others because you won't need to. You're going to be so secure in yourself and confident in yourself that sure, they're great, but you are so confident in the position you're in. And I want to say too, I don't think that confidence is being like just simply content. I don't think it's being like, oh, I don't lift 70 pound dumbbells anymore. I only lift eight pound dumbbells and I'm just, you know, that's just life. That's, you know, that's it. That's Kesara Sara. Like, I don't think it's just being satisfied in the season you're in. Like, I don't think it's, right. it's okay to not be okay. I don't think that's confidence. I don't think that's getting rid of comparison. I think confidence is mixing contentment with a commitment to continue Ooh. to progress. And so it's not just being where your feet are. It's not just being satisfied and, oh, life is terrible, but here I am. So jolly good. <laughs> like, no, I think it's okay. Life is terrible. I'm going to be where my feet are. Sure. For a minute, but no, I'm going to play where my feet are. I'm going to find joy. You know how much fun it is to play as a kid on a playground? Like, that's what I want to do when I play where my feet are to have that joy, to have that excitement for life, that fervor for life, to go after it competing and continually changing. Like if it's okay to not be okay for a little bit, but let's move on and let's improve. Like let's get you back to being okay. Cause that's where we want to be. Like you can fake it till you make it for a little bit, but let's not fake it for life. So it's not just being content in standing right here and okay, this is all I'm ever going to be. And so I'm just going to be content here and that's life. No, understand where you're at, know where your feet are, because you can't play where your feet are if you don't know where your feet are. And then from there, start playing, start improving, start having fun, start challenging yourself, go after the life you want, but you can't get there unless you start by first playing where your feet are in this position. Hey, thanks for giving this episode a listen. 
If this episode resonated with you, please leave a review and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. Oh, one more thing. Stay in the know on Insta. Tag a former athlete, teammate, friend, foe, family member. You get the point. I would love to connect with you. Okay, friends, that is all she wrote. I'll see you next week.